Mike said it last week that, that on one level, a new year is, is just a change of date. But uh, it can also be an opportunity to, to reflect. It can be a chance just to pause uh, and just think about what's, what's gone on and, what, and what's ahead of us and um, to ask bigger questions. And one of the questions that um, certainly I used to ask when I was a little kid and is, is what do I want to do when I grow up? And for my boys at the moment, the, the two options they've got ahead of them that they really want to do are become professional gamers or become professional footballers. Um, and I don't know if you can think back to what you wanted to do when you were younger, but um, how's it going? Like, how, how's it worked out? Are you doing that? Or is it, is it, have you gone down a different path? Um, and uh, I remember hearing someone say that they were commenting on gravestones that you find sometimes, uh, obviously in graveyards, and they were saying that, the, that you've got these two dates, you know, maybe like 10th of June, 1930 or something, and then 8th of January, 2010. And you have these two dates, and between them you have a dash, a little dash. And they were saying that it's as though the whole of life is lived in this dash between these two dates, one when you're born and the other when you die. And uh, as part of that, do we have time to, to work out why are we here before we die? What, what is the reason for our existence? What is the purpose of our life? Uh, is it just to fill our bank accounts? Is it so we can just get more followers and become an influencer? Is it so that we can achieve some kind of status, something that we're hungering after? Or is there something more? Um, and I remember at school, I was made to watch this film, Educating Rita. I don't know if any of you have seen that. But uh, in it, there's, there's uh, this lady called Rita, and she has a friend who it seems like her friend's got it all worked out. And she's, uh, she's a bit better off than Rita is, and she seems, to have, she seems to be very popular, life and soul of the party, and she's always having people around her home and stuff like that. And then Rita is shocked halfway through the film when her friend attempts suicide. And Rita goes to visit her in hospital and just says, well, you know, what's going on? Uh, why did you do this? And the friend just responds by saying, well, listen, Rita, when, when the parties were over and everybody left, all I had left was myself. And that wasn't enough. And I just found there's something incredibly profound about just that little thought that whatever it is that we pursue, whether it is success in a career or a particular relationship that we want to have or whatever it is that there will come and there do come moments for all of us where, you know, the career's over or the kids have left or the relationship ends or whatever it might be and all we have left is ourselves. And we ask that question, is that enough? What, what is, put another way, what is the purpose of my life. And the Bible gives us an answer from start to finish, which is clear and which is consistent. And it's summed up in something called the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which says what, this was written in the 1600s, and it asks the question, what is the chief end of man? And it goes on to answer it, we are here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our purpose, that we might glorify God and enjoy him forever. And just to hear that, it can be a little bit jarring uh, in a world where we're sold the story from the start that we're, it's all about us. It's all about me and, and, and our lives and expressing ourselves. To, to hear that we're actually made for the glory of another, sometimes it's quite hard to swallow that. Uh, and not only can it be jarring, it also can seem a little abstract, this idea that we're just here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We're here to worship. It's, it's the kind of thing where you might say, well, that's a nice thought. But I heard at church this morning, 
And then I'm going to go home and I've just got stuff to do. You know, I've got a chicken I've got to get out of the oven. I've got to write some emails that I didn't get done on Friday. I've got to work out how I'm going to pay the bills at the end of January. So, you know, it sounds like a, like a nice thought, but, we, you know, does it really affect our lives? We've got to crack on with all the stuff we've got to do. And yet there is a place and, and there are times where in the middle of the mad dash of life where we do and should pause and stop and put our heads up and check are we running in the right direction? Is, is this, is, is this, are we going, are we putting all this energy and all the frenetic sort of activity that we cram into our weeks, is this, is this getting us where we're meant to be going? And um, St. Augustine what kind of got to the heart of this when he said, of God, you have formed us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That sense of franticness that churns away inside all of us, that is, that's never going to end until we find our rest in him. So it does affect every aspect of what we do in the week. If it flows from this, it has purpose, but without it, it never will. Um, our purpose as individuals and as a church family is to worship God and to enjoy him. And we're going to look at this, this idea, this theme of worship for a couple of weeks. Um, but this week, I just want to read Psalm 8 and just share a few thoughts on it. So Psalm 8 says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, and all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And I think this psalm for us can be a reminder of, of what we're for. Um, I love the way that it starts. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And one of the things that that is getting at is that we are, as it were, in a theater. Creation is, is uh, and we're the audience. And creation is it's as though it's singing its own song. It's as though it's celebrating the one who made it. It reflects him. And so just as a satellite, it, it kind of, it revolves around the earth. So it is with the universe that it, it's as though it revolves around the creator. It's for his glory. And so its song is sung in, in this myriad of different ways. The, the vastness of the galaxies or the complexity of a little human genome. Uh, the endless restlessness of the sea or the still calmness of a misty lake on, on, at dawn. The, um, the majestic glory of the mountains and then the intricate detail of a single small flower. The extravagant colors of a thousand sunsets painted every single night. It's this music of creation that is rich and that is glorious and that is beautiful. And it's a celebration of God. It sings, as it were, a praise of him. And we get to witness that. We get to enjoy it. Um, last week, I wasn't here because it was my mom's birthday. 
And I, I remember just being at her birthday party, which lasted a whole day, and I loved it because you, when you love somebody, you love watching them be celebrated. It wasn't about me, but I, get to, I got to, as it were, be the audience watching my mum get celebrated and rejoiced in. It's a little like that. So he's kind of saying, look, we're sitting in a world that is celebrating our creator, but the psalm, it doesn't stop there. It goes on, and then uh, it says this. It speaks of God's greatness. You have set your glory in the heavens. But then there's this next verse. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And one of the things that when I, I was just reading that, it baffled me about it, is this idea that the greatness of God, he can choose to establish a stronghold against his enemies. Surely he can choose anybody. He can choose mighty angels if he wants and use them to establish a stronghold against the enemies. But what it says here is he's choosing children and infants and it's through their praise that he's establishing a stronghold against his enemies. And you just think, why do that? What What is this saying to us? And one of the things it's saying to us is that God chooses, and it says, Paul says this elsewhere, the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And he, he puts his, his treasure in our jar of clay. And the children and the infants, those are the ones, certainly in that society as well, who were on the edge of society, who were considered unimportant. And yet it's through their praise, though they know their weakness, they revel in his goodness. Through that, somehow, God builds his kingdom. He establishes a stronghold. And so it is for us still today, Soul Survivor Watford, though we know our weakness and though each of us here has our own wounds that we can show and our own brokenness that we've lived through and still carry, even with that, somehow through our choosing to rejoice in his goodness and enjoy him, it's as though he builds a stronghold against the enemy. And then it goes on and it says... When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, all the vastness of creation, basically, it then says, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? And in a way, I think this is the guy that wrote the song just saying, just being like, I can't believe it that you, you care about my worship. I can't believe that you, that's something that, that you desire. It's something that you want. And... I've been thinking, if this doesn't baffle me and stagger me as well, it's probably that I I haven't got it yet. That God, as great as he is, the creator who needs nothing, he desires from us our worship. He, he, He wants us to enjoy him. And it isn't out of any insecurity. It's not out of, it's out of love. It's because he loves us and he wants to share himself with us and he wants to see us enjoy those things that he is enjoying. So so for me, one of my highlights over the Christmas period was I watched Home Alone with my two older sons. And that is just, what a film. Um, But but I've, I've seen it loads of times. I just haven't watched it for a few years. And this time, this was the first time they were watching it. And so I kind of, I was on a chair and they were on the sofa and the TV was here. And I remember just watching it and spending most of the film watching them. 
because they were just in hysterics. Every time one of the little traps got triggered and, you know, for them, it's like the ultimate fantasy, the clever kid outwits the stupid grown-ups. That's the world that they inhabit. And I could see their little, you know, little cogs ticking as they came up with new traps to spring on me next time I got home. So, but I loved it and I delighted in it because they were enjoying something that I've enjoyed. And it was as though I got to enjoy it all over again. When you love someone, you want them to enjoy the things that you enjoy. Well, God loves us, and he wants us to enjoy that which is most good in the universe, which is him. And he gives us himself unreservedly. And all of this to say with Psalm 8, that that where it's left me is going into this coming year, I don't want to settle for anything less than enjoying him and, and then glorifying him. And it is so easy to settle for less than that. C.S. Lewis talks about this, and he says, we're a little bit like children who've grown up in a slum making mud pies and are invited for a trip to the seaside, but say no, because all they've ever known is, is the mud and the slum, and so they can't imagine how good the seaside must be. He says, we're like this. We're far too easily pleased. We, 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 we run around chasing after sex and drink and ambition, and we don't realize that what's on offer is infinite joy, that we are made for so much more. And then I think, well, okay, to glorify God, to enjoy him forever, to worship, but, but what does that actually look like? You know, how, how do we do that? Um, and I remember as a teenager turning up a, a church, an event that was a bit like this, um, and I'd grown up in a very traditional church, but I hadn't really engaged and wouldn't have really called myself a Christian. And I, I walked into a church and I saw this, this guy about my age who was just like this. And I remember looking at him and thinking, you look really weird. Um, I am, you are never going to catch me doing that. And, and even if I become a Christian, that's not going to happen. Um, and I've been on a little journey since then. And, and that, that picture for me of someone like this has become just um, a hook for, for the way that I understand what we're doing when we come to worship. And it's not that we have to have our hands up. It's not about, you know, it's about what's going on in our hearts. But it's a helpful picture. Um, for me, one of the things that reminds me of someone like that is when I get home from, from a long day at work, my two youngest sons are still excited to see me. The older ones are, you know, they're past it now. But uh, the younger ones, they track me on Find My Friends on the phone, so they're ready to pounce, like the moment I walk through the door. And they just come running up to me, daddy, 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 and they just go like this. And I know what they want. Uh, they're, they're saying, daddy, I want you to pick me up. I want, I want to be close to you. I want you to hold me. And um, when we come to him in worship, we're kind of saying that. And it's not about the songs. The songs have a place. You know, we'll talk about that more in the, in the, in the coming weeks. The songs have a place, but they're not, they're not the end. They're just a means of saying, I want to be close to you. The end is intimacy with him. The end is being near to him. It's being close. And one of the things that I have to, I have to remind myself of all the time is that that's his end as well. That's his goal, closeness with us. That, that when we come to him, we are pushing on an open door. That he's not reluctant, that he's not standoffish, that he's not cold. Jesus gives us that picture in the parable of the prodigal son where the son leaves the home and he's, you know, he's humiliated his dad. 
and he's disgraced him. He's taken half his money and he goes off and then he wastes that money, spends it on all sorts of terrible things and then he comes back having done that to the father and the father runs to him, throws his arms around him, hugs him, kisses him, pulls him into the house and starts a massive party in his honor and Jesus is giving us as a picture what this is what the father is like. And so when we come to him and, and, and when we turn towards him, his, his heart is warm towards us. He's tender towards us. He's eager to embrace us. That's his desire. So when we talk about enjoying him, we're talking about enjoying this closeness with him. Another thing that reminds me of, that gesture, is the one that Mike makes when we play squash together. I surrender. You win. I give up. Sometimes he makes that gesture before the game has even started. And... Uh, he lives in a fantasy world, he said, for the live stream. Um, but, uh, you know, or it's like if you've ever watched a char, you know, car chase in America or something, they, they come out with your hands up. They're like that, I surrender. And, and when we come to worship, that's what we're doing. We are children loved by a father. We're also rebels who have to lay down our arms. We're also people who give in to him and, and to who he is. We surrender everything we have over to him. And, and, and part of worshiping him in this world will always mean we worship when we don't understand certain things. I'm sure we've all got a long list of stuff we wish had never happened in 2022. And the same, I expect, will be true of some of the things that happen in 2023. But what it is to worship is to worship anyway. It's to, I, I, I know you are good, though I don't understand, yet I will praise you. And one of the stories that impacted me most that I read in the last year was the story of this guy called Gunnar Payne. Um, and many of you might have heard of a guy called John Wimber who started the Vineyard Movement, but hardly anyone's heard of Gunnar Payne. And Gunnar led John to the Lord years ago now. But part of his story was that um, his daughter was raped and murdered. Uh, he, was a, he was a devout believer, and so he knew that we are to treat our enemies in the way it says in the Scripture, we're to love them and we're to pray for them. And so even though he was utterly broken by what happened to his, his little girl, he, he went to visit, the, the guy was on death row, he went to visit him, and he prayed with him. And he loved him and he visited him multiple times. And in the end, he led him to Jesus. This guy who killed his daughter, he led him to Jesus. Can you believe that? And then years went by. Uh, he ended up leading John and John's wife, Carol, and a number of others to faith. They'd been nowhere. They didn't know anything about Christianity, but they came to faith. And then after a little while, really tragically, Gunnar's son was in a, an accident on a motorbike. And he was paralyzed from the neck down permanently. And uh, when they all found this out as a group, Gunnar went to check on John and Carol to check they were okay, even though it was his son. And, and they had a worship meeting together. And John and Carol, reflecting back on that moment years later, they said, that was the moment we knew this was tough enough. Christianity could handle anything. Because they stood in this little circle with Gunnar and they watched him as he sang this worship song. Um, it is well with my soul. And if you know that one, you'll know that it says, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever the cost, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Surrender to him. 
And we can feel nervous about that because we can feel like, but isn't to surrender to sort of like, then you're trapped? If you give over, aren't you trapped? But I think of it now more like when you see a couple and they're making their marriage vows to each other. They're giving up. They're surrendering. All that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. Come what may, they surrender. And people sometimes, they watch that and they think, oh, I wouldn't want to make a commitment like that because that's really getting tied down, really being trapped. And they miss the obvious thing, which is no, it's to become free. Free to take off your mask and have a bad day, a bad week, a bad month. Free to be ill and still have someone who loves you. Free to lose everything, still have someone there for you. They're finding a freedom in that. And when we surrender to him, that's what we find as well. And finally, this picture of someone like that, um, this reminds me of basically any football match you've ever watched, right? It's the winners, the ones that celebrate. And I loved watching, as I'm sure you did, the World Cup final um, just recently. And, and uh, loved also watching all the clips it showed of people across Argentina when the final penalty was scored and they just went nuts. And it was all of this. And it was because there's 11 players playing on a pitch, but when they won, the whole country won. The whole of Argentina celebrated their victory. And the story of salvation is a story not of 11 players, but of one, Jesus. And when he wins, you know, they think it's all over. The final whistle is blown. It's like he's, he's been put in the tomb. And then suddenly he, he, he bursts a hole out of the back of death and emerges into victory. He ascends to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And because he wins, we win. And Mike spoke brilliantly just before Christmas about the second coming of Jesus and what it means. It means that we as Christians live in hope, live in expectation. We don't deny the reality of the fact that our world is in pain, nor do we do nothing about it. And so where there are hungry people, we stand with them and feed them. And where there are strangers, we visit them. And where there are sick, we pray and we get beside them and we do all that we can as a church to get our hands dirty in the pain and the brokenness of the world we're a part of. We don't ignore it, but nor are we overwhelmed by it because we believe and we trust that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. That means he's the beginning and the end. He's the one who reigns above all and we know he's coming back. And so we have this confidence that one day every tear will be wiped from every eye and all things will be made new and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And what it is to, to enjoy God is to celebrate that truth. This is what it is to worship him and to enjoy him, to, to have closeness and to surrender again and to celebrate and and just to finish, I'm aware, even as I say this, that for some of us, this might be where we live a lot of the time, but for others of us, perhaps it isn't. Um, and we look back at 2022, and, you know, if you're anything like me, you can say, well, there are seasons where maybe I did that all right, but actually there was a lot of time when I, when I wasn't. And does this really have much to do with life? Let's come back to the fact that I've got to go home, get a chicken out of the oven, do my emails, try and work out how I'm going to pay my bills. Like how does, how does, this, does this really affect us? And yet the reality is we are made for more than so much of what we just cram our weeks with. And actually deep down, I think we know that. I think we see that instinctively. 
And C.S. Lewis, he, he talks about it like this. He says, you know, fish, when they swim in the sea, they're not swimming in the sea complaining about the wetness of the sea. And if all these fish swam around in the sea and complained about how wet it was, then we might logically suppose that maybe they're made for more than just the water. You know, if they're complaining about the water all the time, that might imply they were made for more than just water. And then he says, and yet look at us. Our version of the sea and the water is time. We swim around in time. And do you know what? We do spend a lot of time complaining about it, don't we? Where's the time gone? I haven't got enough time. Oh, my word, it's 2023 already? Last time I checked, it was the millennium. What's happened, right? We complain about time. And he says, doesn't that suggest that possibly we're made for more than just time? Doesn't that imply that we're made for eternity? It does. And we are. We're made for more than just this. And the, again, the way that I imagine it is you've probably had some moments like this over the last month or so, just where you want to bottle the moment and capture it forever. You know, if you've had a cold beer next to a warm fire with a good friend, or you've, you've gone for a walk early in the morning and just watched the sun come up and seen your breath, or you've walked home just excited about who's going to be there, or you've wrapped some presents for Christmas and you just got to watch the joy of somebody open it. Like a moment like that with someone that you love, you want to bottle it forever. We long for eternity because we're made for eternity. And our purpose is to glorify him and enjoy him forever. That's for us as individuals. That is for us as a church. This is what we're for, to worship and to enjoy him.